1: Yes, it is the 30-something movie podcast, and you have not missed the boat. We're here. We're ready to go. Uh, We are in the Three Rivers area this evening as we talk about a uh, movie that takes place in Pittsburgh. We are talking about Striking Distance, the boat-themed Sarah Jessica Parker, Bruce Willis action vehicle. And I've got with me Bo, Patrick. How are you guys doing?
0: Quite well, hey, John. Yourself? You?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little concerned. I don't remember how many hundreds of episodes ago it was, but I'm a little concerned about the last time we talked about a boat movie and things got derailed.
2: Well, well that'll know, happen. A, few little, a Pat- few little mistaken, you know, unintentional innuendos. You know, it's as you do. You know, things, things were said. Things, things were, were said. misinterpreted. Yes. You know, there was... It was a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yes. Yes. That's all right. That's okay. Some of us, some of us march to the beat of a different kind of drummer.
2: Some of us do, but that was then and this is now.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so Striking Distance. So this one, I had... No clue. Had never seen this one before. Had never even heard of this one. Uh, So when it popped up and we actually had to do a little bit of shuffling of some of the movies that were on our list, I was like, Ooh, I need another action movie. I was like, well, Bruce Willis, come on down. Let's see what we got here. So, and I I looked and saw all the other actors that are in this movie and I'm like, Oh yeah, this one's going on the list. So we'll check this one out. Uh, So we have a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, We may get, actually unintentionally deeper with this movie than you might expect, given that it's seems to be just a simple action movie about murderers and cops and boats and things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, before we move on spoiler alert, we spoil freely here as we talk. So just be warned, make sure you visit our website, three zero podcast.com. You can leave a rating, a voicemail. You can join us on Patreon where we've got bonus episodes over there, all kinds of really good stuff. Bonus episode for this month was American Graffiti. So if you love cars, if you love to hear people talk about cars, if you love to hear people talk about how much they feel like they should have talked more about cars, um, then that would be a great episode for you to go listen to. So you can get that by joining us on Patreon at any level. So, and thank you as always to our Patreon co-executive producers that. Help keep the lights on here at the 30-something movie podcast. We very much appreciate your support. Um, and even if, if you're listening to this now and you're like, eh, I, I can't quite support financially at this time, let other people know. You may have some friends that absolutely love 80s and 90s movies. Maybe they would be interested in jumping on there and getting some of the bonus content that, there, that is there as well. So uh, let them know. You, they can tell two friends and then they tell two friends and so on and so on. And so on. And so on. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we probably just dive on into the movie here. I don't know if we have anything else going on or anything else in life that either of you feel like you need to share, or unburden yourself or anything like that.
2: I don't think so, man. I think it's go time. time.
1: Life is good. All right. Well, our first section here we like to call Trivia Pursuits. This one tells you a little bit about the movie. This one came out on the 17th of September, 93, rated r It was one hour and 42 minutes, directed by Rowdy Harrington. That's a great name. Rowdy Harrington, who did Roadhouse, A Murder of Crows. He was the writer on this one as well, who also wrote Roadhouse and A Murder of Crows. Roadhouse. Uh, Another writer for this one was Marty Kaplan, who did Distinguished Gentleman and Max Headroom, uh, the TV show. Producers for this one were Arnon Milchan, who did Fight Club and 12 Years a Slave. Uh, Tony Thornopoulos, did I get that right? Thornopoulos, I think so, Uh, or I got close, did The Immortals and If These Walls Could Talk. Composer was Brad Fidel, who did Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and True Lies. Cinematographer was Mac Allberg, who did Beverly Hills Cop 3 and the Brady Bunch movie. Editor was Pasquale Buba, who did Heat and Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Uh, Columbia Pictures released this one. $30 million was the budget. $24 million was the box office. So mm-mm. Did, not, uh, mm-mm. did not make back its purse there. So, mm. uh, CinemaScore, interestingly enough, gives it a B. So folks that went to go see the movie did at least enjoy it. Uh, a B is not too shabby for a CinemaScore score. Uh, Flickmetrics, though, gives it a 46%. That is a bit on the low <laughs> side for the Flickmetrics. And I don't have it in front of me, but I believe when I looked at this one, um, I believe this one has like a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's correct. Or something abysmal. Is that the right number? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, so the actors in this one and the parts they played. Bruce Willis played Detective Tom Hardy, um, who... You merely adopted the role of Tom Hardy. I was born into it. (laughs) I will destroy Gotham. Yeah, not that Tom Hardy. Um, He was in Die Hard and Pulp Fiction. Sarah Jessica Parker was Joe Christman. She was in Sex and the City and Hocus Pocus. Dennis Farina, who died in 2013, was Captain Nick Detillo. He was in Get Shorty and Midnight Run. Tom Sizemore, who actually died this year, 2023, was Detective Danny Detillo. He was in Saving Private Ryan and Heat. Robert Pastorelli, who died in 2004, played Detective Jimmy Dottillo. So if you're one of the Dottillo boys, you're not so alive anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was in Dances with Wolves and Eraser. Timothy Busfield played Tony Sacco. He was in Field of Dreams and Little Big League. John Mahoney died in 2018. He was Lieutenant Vince Hardy. He was in Frasier and Say Anything. Andre Brower played District Attorney Frank Morris. He was in Glory and Frequency. Tom Atkins played Sergeant Fred Hardy. He was in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Night of the Creeps. Brian James died in 1999. He played Detective Eddie Eiler. He was in Blade Runner and The Fifth Element. Jody Long played Kim Lee. She was in Beginners and Splash. Roscoe Orman played Sid. He was in Sesame Street and Willie Dynamite. Robert Gould played Uncle Max Hardy. He was in Dawn of the Dead. All right, some quick trivia for this one. Uh, the co-star Robert Pastorelli accidentally blurted out the big plot twist during an appearance on Late Night with David Letterman long mm-hmm. before the film was released. So, Oops. clearly, uh, let's see, it, long before the film was released, and then he didn't die until 2004. So clearly, he didn't work for Disney, and they didn't have him killed after revealing their secrets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: because um, the mouse, the mouse, don't play around with things like that. So. Uh, originally, this one I thought was kind of interesting. Originally, the lead role was to be played by Ed Harris. Hmm. I thought, oh. That's right, fun. That could be fun. That's a slightly different movie, but still really good. Uh, it was ultimately, when Ed Harris couldn't do it, it was then rewritten for Robert De Niro. And then finally, when he dropped out, it was rewritten for Bruce Willis. Cool. Uh, here is the little trivia that makes me sad about some of these things. Uh, to quote King Arthur... You make me sad. On an appearance in May 2004 on On the Record with Bob Costas, uh, Bruce Willis apologized to the movie-going public for this film saying that, quote, it sucked, which is kind of one of his M.O.'s.
0: But that's, I was going to say, he does that, though.
1: Yeah, he does that a lot. He he will, when a movie comes out, when it's getting released, to get people to go see it, he'll be like, oh, this movie's great, this movie's the best movie that's ever been made, kind of a thing. Um, and then, they, usually when it doesn't do so well, he's like, oh yeah, no, that thing was terrible, it sucked. Like, oh. Hmm. oh well, thanks, Bruno. Uh, he apparently said the same thing about Die Hard 2, 3, 4, and Hudson Hawk. So... All right, and here's the other part. So, and I will, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself here because um, we were talking about this before we started recording. One of my dilemmas with this movie is, and I'll I'll just go ahead and say it, even though we're not to the part where we kind of give our opinion about things just yet, is I couldn't tell if this was just a mess of a movie, if it just, like, if certain parts of it were just bad, if, like, some of the writing was just bad, um, I couldn't tell that, or I couldn't tell if was this a an homage to a style of Italian film that we're going to talk about here in a little bit that maybe just didn't hit with American audiences and maybe wasn't executed as well as it could have been but should be appreciated for what it was attempting to be. I don't know. And so part of me was like, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is just a deeply, deeply flawed and messed up movie or did they just try to hit some kind of mark and missed it a little bit but then I read stuff like this striking distance which filmed in Pittsburgh in 1992 originally bore the working title three rivers initial test audiences reacted poorly to the movie prompting extensive reshoots and script alterations in Los Angeles which pushed the release date back from May to September Um, here's the part and and kind of heard this from some other movies before Bruce Willis, who had significant influence over the production, reportedly had scenes rewritten and many elements of the film changed. Despite his input, the original cut was unfavorably compared to his 91 movie Hudson Hawk. Columbia chairman Mark Canton, despite having overseen troubled productions in the past, remained enthusiastic about the film. Changes to the movie included making the love scenes sexier, cutting dialogue scenes for pacing, and shifting focus towards action-thriller elements, prompting a title change from Three Rivers to Striking Distance. Uh, Willis, despite being identified as a source of the original production issues, was reportedly angry about the reshoots and treated director Rowdy Harrington poorly during the filming. Uh, the film ultimately failed at the box office, or earning only $24 million on a $30 million budget. So, it sounds like many of the troubles were because Bruce Willis was also demanding a bunch of rewrites and reshoots and other things too so it sounds like he was being a bit of a difficult co-worker on the set if you will
2: yeah if that description is accurate that's not a good look
1: yeah yeah so so which which fed into my whole thing of i don't know is this just a very deeply flawed movie that was a mess from the beginning or is it more than it appears to be. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But that, uh, that added some context for me when I, when I found out about that whole story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: All right. In the cold, steel city of Pittsburgh, a river of deceit runs deep. Bruce Willis, the man who taught us that one cop can make a difference, is back in action as Tom Hardy, a detective with a past and a grudge. Demoted to River Patrol after publicly accusing his fellow officers of possibly being serial killers, Hardy's life is a shadow of what it once was. But when the Polish hill strangler who killed his own father begins to kill again, Hardy is thrust back into the spotlight.
2: Dead body in the water, we fished it out. The victim's name is Cheryl Putnam. Thought it was dumped up river late last night. Whoever killed her hung on to it for a while before he mailed it. How do you know? Uh, I used to be a homicide
0: detective. Detective Thomas Hardy. Tom Hardy? You're famous, one. Infamous. Was once the most decorated officer on the Pittsburgh police force. But you're a talented guy. You can be anything you want to be. i like my life just the way it is, Bob. Until he broke rank. Loyalty above all else except honor. And told the truth. It was a Pittsburgh cop that killed these girls. Just ask these guys.
1: Now. I got you this job after they took your shield. River Rescue
0: 9221. This is base. Party, please come in. 921, go
2: ahead. He's got a new assignment. And shark. A new partner.
1: Hi, it's nice to meet you.
2: I never had a woman partner before.
1: Neither have I.
2: And a river full of dead bodies.
0: We're in suit of a murder suspect? Maybe
1: armed and dangerous. This is not your case. Do you understand me? I'm a murder here.
0: They should have never put him in the water if they didn't want him to make waves. How many men upstairs?
1: Let me rephrase that. Officer Hardy was not uh, out of control and dangerous. Put
0: some bodies in the river so I'll find them, Nick. He wants me to find these girls.
1: Bruce Willis. You just won't let go,
2: will you? Hurry, behind you!
0: Sarah Jessica Parker.
2: Thank you. No, I should definitely
0: be thanking you. You know, I just, I just thought of a way that I could probably thank you. Boy, you gotta be so careful in this life, Tony. <laughs> Very careful. All right.
1: So, uh, we are going to run through some major moments of this one. We kind of summarize the plot for you in about eh, a dozen or so major moments in the movie. This is so that if you have not seen the movie in a while or have not seen it at all, we're going to kind of run through and just kind of give you the the basic plot of the movie. Uh, We do always recommend that if you want to, feel free to pause this episode, go find the movie, go watch it, uh, and then come on back here when you're ready. We'll be here. We're not going anywhere. Um, So if you want to do that, go ahead and do that now and uh, come on back here. If you do want to catch this, at the time we are recording this in... Uh, May of 2023. It is on Tubi.tv. So you can watch it there for free if you're wanting to find this movie and check it out. So go check it out on Tubi.tv so you can catch it there. It's a little over an hour and a half, so it won't take you too long. All right. Major moments in this one. Uh, Pittsburgh homicide detective Thomas Hardy puts out his, I'm sorry, outs his partner and cousin Jimmy DiTillo for using excessive force in a police brutality case. Uh, resulting in his alienation from the police force and causing um, maybe about every 15 minutes or so in the movie, causing a massive shouting match with Brian James, um, Mm -hmm. which I thought was just a fun, like recurring thing throughout the movie. It just, it's, I, being a family friendly podcast, I can't repeat what they tended to say, but it was like, it was like every 15 to 20 minutes. It was, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, how's your wife? Oh, you wouldn't know. Let me ask your partner. How's his wife? And they're like, yo, yeah, you know what? Well, you, man. And then it would just turn into this whole thing where they're, you know, diving at each other. And so that was kind of like a a fun running deal. It was like, well, the middle third of the movie seemed to be just like the two of them doing that whole thing back and forth every 15 minutes or so.
0: Right. They definitely uh, spoke in in, uh, elevated tones.
1: Yes. That's, uh, uh, colorful idioms
0: there you go colorful metaphors
1: i'm sorry colorful metaphors yes yes i was mixing my metaphors and my idioms i'm, I'm such an idiom I'm so sorry. that had to hurt well it does
2: you gotta be careful doing
1: that you gotta be careful with that it's isn't it like um metaphors before beer you're in the clear idioms I, before i don't even know
2: i i don't know yeah i don't know i think any which way, just proceed with
1: caution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so Tom Hardy and his father Bane uh, respond to a. I'm sorry, and his father Vincent respond to a call about the Polish Hill Strangler, a serial killer suspected to be a police officer, possibly, but apparently suspected only by Tom uh, to be a police officer. After a car chase, the vehicle crashes, and uh, I, I was going to ask you guys because you guys are car guys. Um, this seemed to be a a very fun car chase. Now there were there were moments of it that were a little ridiculous, but I'm like, this is actually a really good car chase. I knowing that this movie does not have a good Rotten Tomatoes score, and, and knowing that it was, you know, did not do well in the box office, I'm like, for a movie that gets low scores like this, this is a halfway decent car chase.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It was fun.
1: I mean, a lot of cars exploding that probably wouldn't explode in real life, but you know.
0: Oh yeah, and you know, and the cars weren't anything to write home about. I mean, they no. were, you know, nineteen, early late eighties, early nineties police cars. But it was yeah. still fun. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, they they got everything you need in a in a cop car. They got cop shocks, cop brakes, cop... right,
0: right. Just going straight, the... and don't forget the skmots,
1: the skmots my own brother picks me up in a police car it's all right as long as you fix the cigarette lighter it's gonna be okay um the police arrest a man well so vincent is shot dead his dad uh, is shot dead after this car crash and the killer escapes the police arrest a man named douglas kesser as the strangler and jimmy racked with guilt presumably jumps off a bridge and is never found um, I will come back to this when we talk about our opinion pieces on the movie, but this is where some of the editing had me like, like I got a little, I know they were in a car crash, but I got whiplash, um, because all of a sudden we were, we had the car crash stuff and then I, and I forget, maybe there was a scene after that and then boom, all of a sudden we're standing on a bridge and Jimmy's right. about ready to jump. And, and I'm like, Whoa, hold on. How did we get here? Like I, right. I, had, I had a moment, the the site that I was watching this movie on, I was like, did I accidentally click skip forward 30 seconds or something? Did I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I touched anything, but uh, no, I didn't. That's just, you know, the movie jumps straight to that. And I'm like, whoa, that was, um, buckle up because uh, we apparently are, are going at super speed through some of this stuff. So that was a little, a little jarring uh, with that editing right. choice, but it is what it is. Uh, Also, a little jarring is that almost immediately after this, after he jumps off a bridge and his body is never found, and then we jumped two years later, so very quickly, we're just whoop, let's let's jump ahead two years. Um, A demoted and alcoholic Tom is now assigned to the River Rescue Squad, and he discovers one of his ex-girlfriends has been murdered, kind of marking the return of the Strangler because he also does get a, kind of gets a phone call taunting him. Uh, we've had uh, we've had some movies lately where there's a lot of taunting phone calls we've had the in line of fire there was a lot of taunting phone calls and, mm-hmm. and this one you've got some taunting phone calls with a little music played for added creepy effect and yeah
2: yeah there's yeah there's a lot of bad guys taking victory laughs
1: yeah yeah and uh, and bad guys that love toy remote control cop cars
2: yeah yeah that Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Uh, Despite some opposition from the police force, especially his uncle, uh, Tom steals the Strangler case files to conduct his investigation after another ex-girlfriend is found dead. Tom's new partner, Mm -hmm. Joe Christman, who is developing romantic feelings for him, defends him at the policeman's ball from hostile officers, uh, and later they uh, enjoy each other's company, let's say, at Tom's home. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom and Joe discover mm-hmm. a decoy body was dumped meant in the river, meant to discredit them. Despite the humiliation, they continue their relationship. Joe confesses uh, that she was previously married and has a daughter. Uh, Detective- but she doesn't
0: take this moment to confess the rest of her stuff.
1: No. And that, <laughs> that causes some issues later.
0: Just a couple.
1: Yeah. Because... Uh, they, they get to that scene later, and there's kind of the, um, the uh, internal affairs investigation scene, and, and she walks in, and everybody's like, Joe, why are you smiling? And she's, because I know something you don't know. I am not left-handed. And then the whole thing just falls completely apart. Um, so Detective Eddie Eiler suspects, that Tom, uh, suspects Tom of the murders, and during a court hearing, it's revealed that Joe's real name is Emily Harper, so she's not Joe. She has been someone else all along. There we go. I feel this is a movie about murder. I, I maybe should use that more often. I'm sorry. Let me let me say that again. This is a movie about
2: murder. Now you got it right. No, no, that's, that's better. no, that's right. You
1: know, that's it, good. It takes a couple of tries, but it's okay.
2: Yes. Right. Yes.
1: Um. So, yes, so we find out that her real name is Emily Harper, and she is an investigator who is – I, in my notes here, which I kind of uh, – I, I pulled from something else. The wording is slightly awkward. I'm going to go ahead and read it. You guys giggle if you want to. Uh, it's revealed that Joe's real name is Emily Harper, an investigator who has been probing Tom for misconduct. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm. Well, there's been some probing and some contact.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Just maybe not going the direction we were expecting.
1: I wouldn't have chosen that word uh, if I was writing this description, but okay. Uh, However, she lies to protect him, and he remains free. Emily is then kidnapped just as Tom finds another victim's body. Suspecting the killer to be Jimmy's brother, Danny, he heads to the Datillo family cabin. Tom, Danny, and Emily are handcuffed by the actual killer, who is Jimmy... who survived his fall off the bridge. Jimmy coerces Nick to reveal that he accidentally shot Vince, Tom's dad, after discovering that Jimmy was the killer. In the ensuing confrontation, Jimmy shoots Nick, fights Danny, giving Tom a chance to free himself. Jimmy flees in Tom's motorboat, leading to a chase. Tom and Jimmy fight on the Ohio River, ending in Tom killing Jimmy by tasering him in the mouth. In the final scene, Tom reinstate is reinstated as a detective. He visits his father's grave with Emily and her daughter, Sarah. That is it. That is the plot of the movie. Is there anything vitally important that I forgot to add?
0: No, I think that, that got it. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Let's go a little bit deeper on this one. And
0: now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank
1: you. All right. Uh, Deep thoughts in in a boat movie on the water. Um, First question. Do you like this movie, and when was the first time you saw it?
0: I saw it quite a while ago. Okay. Um probably, you know, Blockbuster, HBO, that sort of thing, when it came out. Um, and yes, I do like it. Okay.
1: Is it one you've seen more than once? Yes. Okay. Uh, more than just the first time you saw it and for this podcast?
2: Yes. Okay. All right.
1: All right. Patrick, what about
2: you? The f- uh, first time I saw it was today. Okay. Um, I don't want to be... Negative and say, well, I didn't like a movie. You know, there were fun parts to it. Um, you know, a good thriller, kind of a whodunit kind of thing is is interesting. Um, I I don't know if I'll seek it out frequently. I think there's other movies that are rewatchable. I mean, I suppose I should probably give it another chance at some point. But I mean, uh, it was uh, it was okay. You know, that's kind of that's kind of all I got. It was, I mean the actors are doing a better job than I can. No one's asking me to write a script. No one's asking me to do any of that stuff. So I don't want to judge uh, too harshly, but I think there'd be other movies that I, you know, that I would go to again before going back to this one.
1: Yeah. Um, so for this movie, I, I had not seen this movie before a, a couple of days ago few days ago. Um, and did I like this movie? I will say overall, I yes, I did enjoy this movie. Like for what it is, you know, an action movie, a cop movie, kind of a mystery, who done it type of a deal. I did. It is deeply, deeply flawed. Like there are like the writing of this, like there are completely disjointed parts of the plot. I mean, there are times where, um, well, some of the editing—I think I've already mentioned that. Some of the editing, like you just jump from this one scene to another. Um, the whole mystery is a little convoluted. Um, you know, some of the writing is, and some of the performances and some of the acting seems a little over the top for certain things, and and so that's where. And, and that's I want to ask you guys this question. Um, and and just so the listening public out there. Uh, that's listening to this one doesn't think that we have all suddenly become experts in film theory and everything else. Uh, I did share an, an article with you guys a little bit earlier so that we were kind of all aware, and, and I'm by no means any expert on this either. Um, but as I was watching this movie, I started off, I was sharing with you guys before we recorded, I started watching this movie and I was like, this is not a great movie. Like, there's a lot of problems here. Like it's it's entertaining. Like it's got the action. It's fun. It's entertaining. But in terms of like story quality and and you know cohesiveness and things like that, there's stuff here that I'm like, yikes! That's I can see this is kind of a mess. I mean, it's kind of a fun mess, but it's it's a mess regardless. Um, And then there were a couple of things that kind of made me think because a little while back I had started trying to pick up on some old horror movies that I hadn't watched before and and took some recommendations from people that are like, oh, you, you got to see this. You got to watch this movie. Um, One of those was the Italian horror movie Suspiria, uh, which is done by uh, Dario Argento. And that is considered a, it could be considered an example of the Giallo movie uh, genre, which is part of Italian film. And um, there were moments of this movie that I'm like, wait a minute. Like, That's kind of an example of a, or or it's close to an example of like a a giallo film. I wonder, as I am in the middle of watching this movie, I'm like, I wonder if, are they trying to make like an Americanized giallo film? And if so, huh, maybe they're, maybe they're attempting something and they're not quite hitting the mark, but if that's what they're doing, maybe it's not a mess. Maybe like some of this stylized stuff and maybe the way that they're doing the performances and the writing and the, and the plot and the other, because that's one of the hallmarks of a Giallo film is it's sometimes can seem kind of disjointed and it's on purpose. I'm like, Oh, well, if that's what they're doing, then that's kind of cool. And I have a little bit more respect for the movie than just being a, like B action movie with Bruce Willis in it. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I can't tell if that's what they're doing. So for There's those, certainly other, no
0: indication that that's what they were trying.
1: Right. But I mean, there are enough, there are enough of the hallmarks of that type of movie that I'm like, okay, that's pretty obvious. Like, so, so anyway, let me, let me kind of define that, um, for, for the listening audiences here with us that has just come into this and, and has not done research, um, for the whole, like 15 minutes of research we did. Um, so a giallo film is kind of a, it's a genre of very stylish and violent crime thriller, thrillers that originated in Italy during the 1960s and, and kind of peaked in the 70s. Um, there's a strong emphasis on gore and creepy visuals, murder mystery plots, um, oftentimes kind of blurring the lines between a thriller and horror, um, you know, when the... Uh, when the horror element kind of outweighs the mystery element, sometimes these are also referred to as uh, spaghetti thrillers, kind of like you have your spaghetti westerns. Um, these can be referred to as spaghetti thrillers, or if the horror tends to take over, they call it a spaghetti slasher. Um, there is another type of Italian crime movie, and I am I was going to try not to completely butcher butcher the pronunciation, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Um, Polizoteski, maybe? Uh, that is kind of a subgenre of crime and action movies that emerged in Italy around the same time, 1960s and in the 70s. Um, they're known sometimes as spaghetti crime films, uh, Euro crime, uh, Italian crime films, and same kind of thing. It's a crime movie in which... Um, you have. It's kind of a gritty cop drama uh, where a cop almost has to become like a vigilante because there is a corrupt system that they're fighting against and there's all kinds of elements of uh, that only they know who the true killer is and only they can figure out the, the mystery of it. But even the rest of their cop friends don't trust them and won't help them out. And so it's kind of a when I was thinking about those different elements, it kind of blends a lot of those different elements. Um, You know, it's, it really is kind of like a a certain mood or a vibe for these movies. Not even always the the components of it, but like the vibe um, of the movie helps determine whether it's a giallo movie or whether it's a, Lizio Teschi movie or, or something like that. So while this movie, I think, has some different elements of that, it's got the murder mystery plot, um, the, the villain in particular. In the Giallo movies, a lot of times the villain, often you don't see anything about the villain for most of the movie. It's kept a mystery. But oftentimes they are a some kind of black-gloved killer. And all you ever see are the black gloves of the killer for most of the movie. And that's how it's kind of kept a mystery. Well, in this movie, the killer is seen wearing black driving gloves, and there's a lot of other kind of elements that feed into, you know, there's, there's a twist ending to it. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, kind of very, very stylish visuals at different times. It's it's violent. There's car chases, <laughs> uh, shootings, murders. Um, you've got Bruce Willis's character, who is fighting a corrupt uh, police system and he doesn't know who he can trust and everybody, including his relatives are against him. So it's got a lot of the hallmarks of these types of movies. And so that's why I was wondering. So I guess my question for you guys, my very long winded way of asking my second question is, do you think that maybe this movie was just possibly a poorly constructed, but sometimes fun action movie or do you think they were actually trying to go for some kind of homage to this type of Italian film? And God help me if one of you just says no, and then that's all we say. I'm going to hurt you.
2: Well, you might want to hurt me because okay. my reaction might seem a little bit harsh, but I don't mean it to be harsh. I guess
1: you've been Pat's <laughs> Blaine. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was
0: preemptive. Well,
2: indeed. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to go back and just kind of quote the fugitive. Yeah, go for it. And just say, I don't care. <laughs> 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 All right. And I, and it's better than no. a no. Yep. Okay. Okay. Now let me, let me, let me backpedal. Okay. Before i you know, I can sense our listening audience, our viewers are like texting and messaging and like, Pat's a jerk. And I don't mean it that way, but it's like, you know, I find that very interesting. And as always with this stuff, I mean, obviously I am, it's very obvious. I'm not an expert in cinema. And I think that that's very interesting if they did take influence from those movies or if they were trying to make a modern version of that movie and all of that. But I think that if there's things that, we feel that this movie falls short um, in some ways, whether it's the editing or whether the writing or whether, you know, I mean, I see where they were going with it. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean, there were some fun chases, some fun boat scenes, some fun action. It was great seeing Bruce Willis and Frazier's dad and a whole bunch of that guys. And, you know, I mean like all of that, it was, it was fun. But I I think you just have to be careful when you're playing the, yeah, but, and I'm not saying that you're playing this. So again, that's why I'm phrasing it carefully, but it's like, oh man, but you see, you don't get it. Like this movie is like based in a such and such genre. And if you understood that genre, well, then you get it. And it's kind of like, my reaction is like, well, I kind of trust my eyes, you know, like I, it's, it's a good movie. It's fun. But I, I don't know if, like, hey, connecting the dots and saying, well, this is doing those things that this genre movie did will suddenly elevate it in my eyes. You know, like Basic Instinct, when we talked about that movie or Sliver or what, well, maybe Sliver was a little different. But Basic Instinct, it was like, okay, this was really based in that film noir, kind of femme fatale, kind of, I'm throwing a bunch of words that I hope make sense out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in that vein just because, okay, it's in that vein and take a look, you know, this is how they used to do it back in the thirties and forties. So this is how we're doing it now. See how those connections are there. It's like, okay, I see those kids. Like, okay, now that you're pointing them out, that's good. But the film's still kind of like, you know, it's fun to watch, but it's not going to like elevate it in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Do do you get what I'm saying? And so that's where, Like, Hey, I totally buy it. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's all good. Like, I mean, if this is based on that or maybe the writers like that, I'm just saying for me personally, that's where I'm just kind of like, And I I said that I don't care as a joke. Cause I mean, I really, I do, I do, I do very much care when John, when you or anything, Bo and Dennis, Jeff, you know, you do the research and you you present something like I, I totally care. I I was, I mean, that's honestly, I wasn't, Seriously saying, I, I don't care. But I just don't know that it necessarily affects my opinion of it one way or the other. Because I still kind of fall into the, yeah, it was fun. I like it. Yeah. But if I was going to watch some kind of a thriller movie, I, you know, I might watch Patriot Games. Or if I want an action movie with the police, I'll watch A Lethal Weapon or something like that first. Before going to this one and just hearing that it was kind of based on the genre... I don't know that that's going to necessarily move the needle for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Does that, does that fully, I mean, you didn't want a simple no. So I just gave you a whole bunch of words and a provocative opening statement. So I hope I, I hope I, you know, I hope I did my bit for king and country.
1: No. and, And see what, what elevates your answer for me is that you, you made an attempt at giving me a more complex no. (laughs)
2: that's right see see what i'm saying
1: so it did in my eyes it did elevate your answer because if you had just said no i would have been like well you know what then pat i i would have had some words to say and and we would have gotten the you are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute yes (laughs) um (laughs) but no see and and this is where i will uh, so allow me to retort um
2: Retort, (laughs) retort
1: No, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. I, I am on the opposite end of that because if this was just a crappy action movie that they slapped mm-hmm. together to just figure out, like, hey, die hard on a boat. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was one of those kind of things where, like, how can we make money fast? Let's stick Bruce Willis's face on the poster. Um, who Who's a hot young actress that we can throw in here with him, even though they've got zero chemistry. Um, sure. Sarah Jessica Parker, let's throw her in there. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we've done high rise buildings. We've done airplanes. Oh, well, let's do boat. We haven't put Bruce Willis on a boat yet. Let's do that one. Um, and then in a few years, maybe we'll do the same thing with like speed and then speed too. Why not? Um, mm-hmm. If that's the case, then I'm like, then I'm a little bit more disappointed that I sat through an hour and 40 minute uh, crappy action movie. However, mm-hmm. it, it, for me, it actually, it does elevate it in my mind that I'm like, I, cause when I started to watch this movie, I'm like, Ugh. I mean, it's entertaining, it's action. Yeah. Okay. But whatever. But then the moment that I was like, Hey, wait a minute, this has got some elements of that, of that style of movie that I remember reading about. And then I went, I paused and I was like, let me go back and read a little bit more about this. And then I was like, Ooh, yeah, in this scene in the movie, stylistically, they were doing this. And in this scene, they did it. I'm like, okay, now I have a better respect for the filmmakers. Maybe not the interference that Bruce Willis had in terms of the rewrites and reshoots and, and that other stuff. Like, I I can't imagine that he maybe helped make it better. Um, mm-hmm. But the original intent of, the like, Rowdy Harrington, I mean, he wrote and he directed this movie. Um, if that was his original intent to be like, hey, I'd really like to make an American version of this Italian crime thriller subgenre, then for something like that, I'm like, all right, you made an attempt at something. It didn't pan out, but at least you tried, Mm -hmm. and I can see elements of where you tried. And I'm like, oh, I will will always give a movie – or a, an author or a musician or a something, I'll always give them a little bit more props for having tried something and failed. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it actually did elevate this movie because otherwise I think watching this movie, if I had not made that connection, I would have been like, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, okay. Moving on. That was an hour and 40, whatever minutes I'm not getting back. Uh, fun mm-hmm. explosions, fun other stuff, but it's not, I'm not going to remember much about this movie, but for me it was, that was something I kind of latched onto. And I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. Like, it's maybe a hit and miss, but at least you swung. Um, and so that helped me. I think that helped me to enjoy this movie more. I, will I go back and rewatch this movie again? Probably not. Um, but it mm-hmm. did help me enjoy this movie more than I would have if I didn't make that connection to it. Um, and I will, I will point out something that I, I just looked up while, while we were talking here in the last few minutes or so. Um, Rowdy Harrington, the writer and director of this movie, has another movie... Uh, from 88, so a few years before this. So I think this is a style that he enjoys, and I I think this maybe helps to, and I didn't know this before a few minutes ago, Um, I think this helps to solidify the fact that maybe he really enjoys this style, and this is something he likes to incorporate into his movies, although I don't know that you see a whole lot of it in Roadhouse. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, he has a movie from 88 called Jack's Back, Uh, Mm -hmm. and it is... Uh, it is James... all work and no
0: play makes Jack a dull boy.
1: Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it is James Spader. I think Mickey Rourke might be in this. Uh, basically it is set in at that time, modern day Los Angeles. And it's supposed to be, uh, that Jack the Ripper has returned. Um, mm-hmm. and he's in modern day Los Angeles and he's continuing to attack and kill women and, and whatnot. Um, but it's got a lot of apparently that movie has a lot of elements of these giallo films in it uh and even just looking at you know some of the looking at some of the details of this movie um they basically say oh yeah it's absolutely i mean he's got just gobs of the types of things you'll see you know the style that you'll see um, you know, twists and turns and, and gory violence and murders and, and things like that. And so it really does fit with that style. So I'm like, OK, so he did another one in 88. He did this one in 93. So clearly he likes this style. He's he's making an attempt at, you know, maybe he's making an attempt at this being his signature style of how he's going to, you know, mm-hmm. Tarantino's got his style and and Rowdy Harrington, maybe this is what he wants his style to be. And Maybe he just hasn't perfected it yet, but he's still making an effort at it. Um, So for me, that's where it does. I don't disagree with you in in what you said, but for me, I think, me personally, that's where it takes this from a poorly constructed money grab, if that's what it was, to, all right, so at least you you got up to bat and you took some swings and you struck out, but at least you swung. Um, I think that's Mm. where I kind of, that's where I come around on it
2: yeah no i i i hear what you're saying and it's always good you know it's always good you know you, there's that podcast that you know how did this get made and mm-hmm. you know that's that's always interesting kind of like okay what were you what were they shooting for it's, whether it's a good movie or bad movie or whatever and again i'm not going to sit here and call shenanigans on this and say it's a bad movie sure. um you know it, it again i can't act I can't write, no one's calling me to film anything or do, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and I keep making this joke, but that, you know, when, we, when we did the band director trying to deliver lines, I mean, I like, I, I don't, I can't even try that. Do you know what I'm saying? You know? So, sure. yeah. so I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be caught saying something's a bad movie. I, you know, it just it was fun to watch, but I, you know, there'd be other things i go to. I also think a lot of it with the genre piece, and it, it, it largely depends on if you like that genre. And I've often noticed it with horror movies. I'm not a big fan of horror. Sure. And it seems like people that are fans of horror will like watch any horror, old horror, young, new horror, uh, good horror stuff, be horror, you know, they'll, they'll get into it and they'll find some kind of enjoyment in it. Now, me and myself, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Sure. So it's got to be a classic if, you know, like, oh, you you really do see this. And, okay, all right, I'll check it out. But then in the same token, like, I'll watch all sorts of kung fu movies. You know, good, bad, low budget, high budget, all that kind of stuff. And I know people that are like, are you kidding me? You know, like, why why am I watching this? I'm just like, come on, this is... I don't know, this is Jackie Chan at his best, or this is that, this is Okay, why, why are the overdubs so bad? Well, because he's just calling back to those old Hong Kong movies when they would overdub the voices and they were always out of sync. So he puts that in his movies now. Like, you right. know, he can have the overdubs be better, but he's trying to, he's kind of a, he's paying homage to those earlier films. Yeah, now, trying try to, to explain, trying to emulate something. Yeah. If I try to explain that to Tammy, she'll give me a look like, Oh, okay, G- great. I it's that's, still not my. That's nice. Exactly. Whereas that's extraordinary, it, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. right, right, and and I think that's very much that's very much like, just, just kind of part of the gig with certain genres of movies, right? Like, I, you know, I love Iron Eagle. I love the movie Iron Eagle. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, it's campy. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's the other thing, but it's fun to watch with the whole plane thing. I know when we reviewed it for the pod, you know, there were some folks on the pod that were just like, yeah, I, I, man, not, not, not quite my bag. And it was like, really? Come on. The kid's flying around in a plane. It, yeah. I, but it just kind of comes down to genre. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think, I think that's where, <clears throat> if that's a, a less confrontational, a less, uh, uh, um, What am I trying to say? Confrontational, Uh, a less um, acrimonious way of saying it. I think it just largely depends on that genre. And if you notice a connection with someone that's writing, trying to do a thing, oh, well, I see what they're trying to do with that, so props for that, but I think it'll click. You know what I mean? Yeah. So.
1: Or it's just an action movie with guys on boats that like to – put on their cool shades and go stop crimes.
2: Yeah, but that's cool too.
1: You know? Yeah. I don't know. Bo, what do you think?
0: I, I want there to be a deeper meaning behind some of the choices because I do enjoy the movie. Mm -hmm. But the more you hear about the rewrites and all the problems with production, that mm-hmm. it seems like less and less likely that that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it could have been the goal, and that's what caused the original test audience to not like it, which led to the rewrites, though.
1: That's what I was wondering, um, yeah.
0: It's certainly possible. Um, but we we're suspending a lot of disbelief to get to that point. But so yeah, it it just seems like we're suspending a lot more disbelief than just with the movie to try to put it into this. And I feel like, and I guess this is long enough ago that maybe it wouldn't have been a thing, but I feel like so many artists and filmmakers are all about talking about their art now that if that was his goal, we would have heard it would have been part of the trivia. It would have come out in something.
1: Yeah. Um, or he was so ticked off at Bruce Willis for ruining his movie that he just didn't want to talk about it.
0: That's possible. Yeah. Which,
1: which could be. Yeah.
0: Um, or he's one of those artists who just makes his art and says, Hey, yeah. whatever, man, you do you. He makes art. I made he makes art
1: until someone dies.
0: Right. Yeah. um, But yeah, more, the more I learn, the more I'm less inclined to believe that it was something like that, Mm -hmm. but I want it to be, Mm -hmm. I want there to be more to this movie.
1: Yeah. So one of the other parts that I thought was, uh, I mean, uh, there were other parts that I was like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm maybe following some of what's going on here, but the, the murder mystery part of it, got a little convoluted, uh, especially the mystery side of things. Um, But one of the things that I wondered, I was going to ask you guys about, um, did you believe the relationship between Joe and Tom? So between Bruce Willis and Sarah Jessica Parker? Because there was a bit of a, like it was almost like, I don't know if she just seemed too young or if she looked too young, but part of it was like, I don't know, this seems more like it should be a a mentor cop and a rookie cop and do we really need the romantic thing because it just seems kind of forced.
0: It seemed very forced.
1: Okay, right. um, so that wasn't just me.
0: No, very forced and very unbelievable that she would, you know, as the detective assigned to make sure this guy wasn't, you know, going off the rails, it seems hard to believe that she could just fall into bed with him that quickly. Mm-hmm. Or at all, for that matter. Um, I think you would have needed more movie for that. Yeah. Um, It almost plays like she feels sorry for him that everyone ganged up on him at the policeman's ball. Yeah. Which... Let's talk about plot points. Why are you even going to the policeman's ball? So, Let alone showing up with a former drunk, former cop. Like there's so many, so much weird to that scene.
1: So you can wear a red like, dress.
0: No, no, I meant him. Oh, him. I know why she's there.
1: Well, maybe he wanted to wear a red dress.
0: Well, it's possible, but it's possible. he wanted to do something with a red dress, but I'm just family podcast. And yeah, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to go there. Um, I just, yeah, that scene is, it's there to put the two of them together, Mm -hmm. but that could have been done better.
1: Yeah. And there to demonstrate that he's related to half the police force.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You kind of got that earlier, but yes, yes. The family business for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: What about the? I, it what could about have
2: been. The, oh yeah, It could have it. been done differently. It could have been done differently, or it could have been done uh, or better, or it could have been done not at all. Yeah. Maybe they didn't need to fall into bed together. Yeah. Oh, Pat's looking at a 20th century movie with 25 century goggles on. Oh no! Run away! Well, let's be honest, Pat. Even the 21st century, they end up in bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you know, and that's the unfortunate thing is that that just seems to be kind of like a. Well, that's what we need to do in the movies. The guy needs to get the girl, and there needs to be that so we can put that scene in there. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's well. And don't forget, they have to sleep
0: together so someone can question whether she's objective or not. Mm-hmm. That's got to ha- That's got to be there. That's for whatever reason.
2: But uh, yeah, it, I don't know. Or they just write it in that they have to question her objectivity so that they can put that scene in and sell more tickets.
0: Also true. Also true.
2: I mean, I know I'm sounding very cynical tonight. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I think there's just, I think we've all kind of said it in a different way. It just kind of seems like there's certain things with this movie that are problematic, come out of left field. Why is this there? we're going to introduce this. And when you pull the thread, there's nothing there. It just kind of pops out. Right. So, you know, I guess I would have liked take that part out and use that time to develop more of the story or other aspects of the story.
1: You know what I would have liked to have seen?
2: Lightsabers, more more things go boom,
1: more, well, more things go boom, more boat chases.
0: Oh, right. It's it's a boat
1: movie. Let's have more boat chases. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Like that's if if we're going to play up the action movie. I mean, if we rewrote the thing to be more of an action movie, then let's get actiony with the boats. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. I was semi excited when that one point where they dumped the decoy body and they start going chasing after that car and they're shooting the flares Mm -hmm. at the car. I'm like. All right, we've got a boat chasing a car. If at some point this boat does not end up on land on the road, I'm going to be a little disappointed here.
0: <laughs>
1: I want them to James Bond this thing. I
0: was just going to say, this wasn't a James Bond film. I know,
1: I know. But part of me was like, I'm watching that. I'm going, all right, if this boat does not end up in the middle of that street, I'm going to be a little disappointed here.
0: Sparks flying. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, come on. When you have the car chase at the beginning of the movie, and the cars are doing the whole kangaroo thing, uh, that one street where it's got all the jumps, and they're all like, it looks like they're playing leapfrog with each other. I'm like, okay, if we mm-hmm. can have that scene in the car chase, we need a boat to go airborne.
0: Hey, you got to right. see the boat go over that little mini uh, mini waterfall there. It's true. It's true.
1: I needed more. I needed right. more. I wanted, I wanted more boat. Yeah, I, g- I got to have more boat. I got a gotta. fever. I got a fever, Bo. <laughs> And the only prescription is more airborne boat.
0: Is more cowbell? Is, I know. I yes,
1: more cowboat. <laughs> I got to have more cowboat. So, all right. Well, whether it's a deeply flawed artistic masterpiece or a deeply flawed semi fun action movie,
0: Fever Dream.
1: Fever Dream, yes. Or a Bruce Willis fever dream uh, in his rewrites and whatnot. um, I will say it was a fun movie. Like, it's definitely a fun movie. I'm not sorry I watched it. Uh, If you are a, especially if you're a Bruce Willis completist, you need to see this uh, to complete your collection of Bruce Willis movies, uh, of which there are many other worse ones. Uh, Believe me, we've seen a few. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually told by there's somebody who works in our district office at school now. Um, and she, uh, I, I'm not going to say her name because I didn't ask permission to, to mention her on the podcast, but um, she used to live in a different state uh, down in the South just a few years ago. And she actually ended up, I, I don't know that she has a speaking part, but she ended up as an extra in a recent Bruce Willis movie and she's like, "Yeah, it it's it's absolutely terrible. I'm not even sure it even got released in theaters." Oh wow! I was like, "Oh huh. wow! I need to go look for it now."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, right? So, is it
0: wrong that that's like? Uh, now I want to see it more.
1: No, that's that was my first response. I said, "Now that you, I want you to understand. Now that you've told me this, I will be seeking this out, and I will be looking for the scene that you're in." Just just so we're clear here, <laughs> so. Yeah, there's some bad, bad Bruce Willis stuff that, like, he, I don't know, he needs to either work with his agent or something.
2: Well, I don't know how many more movies Bruce Willis is going to be in. He's probably
1: not not making any more. He's not not doing very well, so.
2: Yeah, are some health concerns there. Yeah.
1: So. All right, well, before we get into three questions, you guys got anything else on this one?
2: Not for me. Not for Pat.
1: All right. All right. Then in that case, it's time for three questions.
2: He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions.
1: It's impossible to answer.
2: Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody
1: could answer that question.
2: I want to ask you a bunch
0: of questions. I want to have them answered immediately.
2: What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God
1: have mercy on your soul. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite Tom Hardy role? And I swear, if any of you say Shinzon, I'm going to break this podcast.
0: I was just about to say, well, as a Star Trek fan, (laughs) I feel the need to mention Shinzon. Uh Um, To
1: which I say. That's extraordinary.
0: What would you like to do next? I do think it's hysterical that that the same guy who played Shinzon played uh, uh, Bane. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy of roles. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I have seen surprisingly little that he's been in. Okay. Which disturbs me a little. I have some work to do, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to say Bane for me, just because of my limited exposure to him. Because, you know, saying Shinzon is just ridiculous.
1: Well, you know. I, I did go look up some, some Praetor Shinzon quotes, and I, I I almost want to mash up Shinzon with Bane were some of these quotes, because I think they actually fit pretty well.
0: Oh, they definitely would. The megalomaniacal tendencies oh, yeah. are there in both.
1: You have every reason. If you had lived my life and experienced the suffering of my people, you'd be standing where I am, Captain Picard. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah, you, it works. You could totally do it. Yeah.
0: In fact, Can I think they need done. to go back and retcon it so that's the voice. They don't need to yes. change the face or anything, just use that effect on the voice. That's all. I was
1: born in the darkness in the dilithium mines of Remus. Yeah, do it.
0: See? Yeah. Like honestly, it gives the character depth that it doesn't mm-hmm. have in the original. I yeah.
1: think I think yep. Shinzon should yep. have broken his back and then Picard has to like work his way back up from you know, I don't know. Throw him in in some prison planet where he's down in a hole somewhere where he has to like well, I mean befriend a shapeshifter and kick some guy set- in the <laughs> kick some guy in the kneecap and
0: <laughs> we don't all keep our genitals in the same place.
1: Right, right.
0: Someplace ah, the, with no stockade. The the life no electric frontier. The life
1: lessons we've learned from Star Trek.
0: Indeed.
1: Anytime somebody ever says take a knee, I'm like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm I'm looking up pictures of him in other movies now. Yeah, I do remember him vaguely in Inception. Yeah. But I only saw that once.
1: Yeah. Um, I I will say Bane I, I, is probably I, my favorite role of his. I, I'm going to go with Bane, but, I mean, I did really enjoy him in Mad Max Fury Road. Um, which I
0: never saw. Oh, you I didn't see that to. one? Okay. No. That,
1: um, I remember, I and I've only seen Dunkirk once or twice, but I remember, you know, he was in Dunkirk, and um, I feel like I liked his part in that one. I did not get a chance to spend as much time before my – hbo max subscription went away because i didn't want to pay for it for another month um i did not get as much of a chance to get through um band of brothers but my understanding is he's in at least a couple of episodes back there looks Um, like he's
0: in a bunch of episodes of peaky blinders too which has been on my list but i
2: haven't watched yet
1: yeah i haven't watched that one yet so pat what are you thinking
2: well, first of all, what was he in Inception? I've seen Inception a couple of times, and I can't remember him.
1: See? Yeah, He was, what, what is he, wasn't he like a weapons expert or something? Yeah. Eames was the, his character's name.
2: Yeah, the
0: picture I remember that's on IMDb is him in the back of a of a car. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll have to check that. I'll have to watch Inception again. i have to watch Inception again. You know what? I got to be honest. Uh, my favorite role of his, and you mentioned it, was Dunkirk. I really mm-hmm. like him in there. Yeah. You only, you know, you, for the most part, you only see part of his face, right? You see his face and then part of his face. And like so much is emoted with just gestures and his eyes. And, you know, a couple of, you know, voice um, parts. But I, I just, I really, I'm taken with the movie and I thought he was a, I really liked his character and I really liked the portrayal. Yeah. So I'd have to say that's my favorite. Um, I also think he's great in Fury Road, um, as well. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you I'm, I'm now listing all his, uh, roles are great. I mean, Bane also fantastic. I'd have to go to the IMDB page. I kind of cheated on this one. I wanted to go just top of my head because really, I, I really very much enjoyed Dunkirk and I, you know, that was a clear runaway favorite for me. So, yeah.
0: The pictures of him in Capone look pretty
2: cool, too. I'll have to check that out. Bo, did you say you have not seen Dunkirk? Or you have not seen... I haven't seen Fury Road. Road. Okay.
0: Interesting. He's very versatile just in his look, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of impressive, really.
1: Dunkirk, see, Dunkirk, I want to go back and watch again, because I saw it in the theater when it first came out, and I Mm -hmm. remember seeing it in the theater and going, all right, I definitely am going to need to watch this one more time at least.
0: So I am currently struggling, because I am conflating Dunkirk with something else.
1: 1917?
0: Maybe. I
1: feel like they came out around the same time.
0: Which is the one that was shot to look like it was all one shot.
1: 1917.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think I'm the two are
1: Dunkirk. Dunkirk dancing is dancing with
0: each other in my brain.
1: Yeah, Dunkirk is the one that plays with time,
0: right? Like there's and the I think three that's why and, they... and paddle
1: paddle paddle remember this better than I do. But you've got the three different. Don't you have the the land, the sea, and the air? And each one. Yes. While it looks like they're happening simultaneously in the movie. One is like over the course of an hour. One is over the course of a day, and one is over the course of like a week. Yes, or something like that.
2: And the way it's told, they all it comes together. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. But that's, yes, that's ex- that's exactly. And that's why I feel like I need, like I need to go back two and rewatch of them are it. Messing with me, yeah.
1: Yeah, I need to go back and rewatch it because I remember seeing it in the theater, and and when I caught on to it in the theater, I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna need to watch this again."
2: Right. Yeah. It's 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 excellent on the rewatch and man I just can't say enough. I mean also the commitment to using real vehicles and you know um well I, okay here I'll be the plane geek, you know, three Spitfires that they put cameras on and film. I mean that is just beyond awesome. Yeah. And uh all the boats are real, you know, they've got a world war two destroyer. And it's like, okay, the, the pedantry is, well, technically that's a French destroyer and not a British destroyer. It's okay. You know, like, but still it's a real thing. It's on screen. It it's just so well done. It is just so cool. And uh, the air sequences are immaculate. I I mean, it's, it's just so good. It's so good. It's, it's really, and and like you said, the playing with the time and uh, you know, okay, I'm going to stop talking because I don't want to spoil anything, but (laughs) I mean, it is, it is, it is just so good.
1: But when we're done here, you're going to go back and watch it again.
2: I'm going to go back and watch it. I might have already started. I'm not sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Somehow that doesn't surprise me. All right. Question number two, what river would you want to travel down if you had a houseboat?
2: What river would I not want to travel down? Yeah,
0: right? I like, I could give you reasons to
2: travel down a lot of them.
1: If, if you could only pick one.
2: You know, I'd probably start, I'd start with the mighty Mississippi. Right. I think I'd just do that. You know, I mean... It's, it's in a neck of the, well, it stretches from, you know, where I live up North and South. And I, you know, I think that's, that's probably where I'd start.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could pack up your Mark Twain and read them as you go down the yep. head down South. And I think that has a lot of uh, a lot of potential to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great music. Just study along the way. And I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd say the Mississippi.
1: Yeah. The uh, the answers that uh, some of my family gave, uh, my wife said, "I, I think we were trying to remember which one it was, but I think it's the Rhine River in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're kind of, at some point we'd be interested to go do this. We've been, uh, she gets, um, you know, she gets some of the magazines and other stuff from the, uh, like the Celiac foundation for folks that have like, um, gluten allergies and whatnot. And supposedly Germany and and some of the European countries are better about having, you know, Celiac safe options for food and things like that. And they do Mm -hmm. these Celiac cruises where you, you go on a cruise and everything on the boat is totally fine. You can eat whatever you want and, and all that. It's all totally fine. And apparently some of the more prominent or well-known uh, cruises that they do on here is down the Rhine River. Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, an excuse to go to Germany sometime and go do something right. like that. Like that that would be pretty cool. So, um, I mean, that one, and I've been, um, I don't think we've ever run, been on a boat on the Rhine before, but I remember kind of going, you know, Either we went across it a couple of times when we were in Germany, or something like that. But I mean, that's just that. That would be fun. I think the choice that I went with was a little closer to home, and a little bit. And because I, I thought about the Mississippi, um, but then I was like, ah, I want to go a little bit more on on the scenic side. And not that there's not that there's not scenery to see on the Mississippi, but um, I went more the Colorado River.
0: There you went, go. Went a little mm-hmm. bit more out
1: west for that one.
0: I was thinking the Potomac would be cool. Yeah. The Nile.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I had my uh, mosquito bug spray, I'd, I'd do the Amazon.
0: There you go. Yeah. You'd need more than your mosquito spray though. You need like weaponry to keep the other animals away.
1: You know, I'd have to pull a, uh, William Shatner from last week and go after the Piranhas.
2: There you go. Yeah. yeah so, I, you know, I'm, I'm just looking around, you know, and, and it's just like, uh, uh I'd have to say, I, I, I'm starting to look at the Mississippi, you know, I mean, all, all the things that you're saying, like make all the sense. Like I, like I'll do that one and that one and that one. And I'm just seeing this Mississippi, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee to new Orleans. I mean, mm-hmm. Like just being able to check out the music and the blues and the jazz and just, Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. What you guys are talking about. The other one that I thought of is the Moldau river. And uh, the Moldau is the subject of a famous piece of classical music called the Moldau. And it's all about, it's a musical tone poem about being on that river and the things you see from that river. So I think that would be very cool to kind of like, follow, you know, to to take a trip down that river and see the things that influenced the composer, uh, to write it. I think the Moldau river would be very cool as well.
1: Yeah. That would be a good one. All right. And then finally, question number three, what's the most memorable movie scene where someone is tied to a chair? I feel like I know what you're going to say, Pat, but I'm not 100 percent sure.
2: What do you think I'm going to say?
1: I was thinking you were going to say Casino Royale.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, that was definitely memorable for me.
2: Yeah, it, it was. It was memorable.
1: I mean, not in like not in like right. not in like a good way, but
2: not not yeah. in a good yeah not in a good way yeah. not in a good way, not, in a kind of a, in a rather painful way. Right. Rather painful way. Yeah. What are you gonna say?
1: Well, see, I I really enjoy see, and I word it that way on purpose. I was like, hmm, one that I enjoy the most or one that is the most memorable? Because if I'm going most memorable, and I and I did put memorable to kind of open that up so you could you could take that any way that you want, um most memorable scene of somebody tied to a chair in a movie. I might have to go with, well, I've got a couple that I can think of. Um, one of my favorites, cause I think it's hilarious is the whole scene with black widow
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in the, was that in the first Avengers movie? Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: Love that scene where when she gets on the phone, she's like, Oh, it's, it's, or they get on the phone. It's like, it's for you. Okay. Well, I, I'm at work right now. Can I call you back later that she goes into that whole thing. Um, so I love that mm-hmm. scene. However, the two that I think of when I think of most memorable would either be Pulp Fiction. Yep. Obviously not one that I enjoy, but it is definitely one of the more memorable tied to a chair scenes in a movie. Um, But I think the one I got to go with is got to be Last Crusade. Ah, yes. Nicely done. I got to go. I got to go Henry and Junior.
2: That is that is Dad, fantastic. What? Dad, what? Dad, what? Dad, <laughs> what? The room is on fire.
1: The room is on fire and the chair.
2: And
0: <laughs> the chair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm. So yeah, no no no, what are your uh, what are your chair movies?
0: So I thought of Pulp Fiction. I thought of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, In my research, I stumbled upon the fact that there is a movie literally called Tied to a Chair. Oh, all right. Which is disturbing (laughs) in its own way. Yeah. I think I was leaning on pulp. Like that Pulp Fiction is the most memorable. It's the first one that kind of popped into my head. Um, some of that has to do with just the scene itself. Clockwork Orange. Yes. Also memorable in its own. Yes. Special way. Very special way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, maybe Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs would be the most memorable.
1: Okay.
2: Um, i got to be honest, John. Like, you're uh, your, uh, Scarlett Johansson, or Scarlett Black Widow tied to a chair in uh, Avengers. And, uh, you know, obviously Scarlett Johansson just playing that scene so well, just with her, like, duplicitous nature where she seems all meek and humble because she's Mm -hmm. like trying to interrogate the guy and you know then turns cold and calculating i'm also gonna just you know shout out to the uh, stunt performers i believe that was heidi moneymaker was the stunt um performer that did all those incredible acrobatics once in the chair um and so we got to give a shout out to her because yeah that scene is pretty amazing um the one that's on my mind man and you guys are you guys are naming some good ones the one that's on my mind um that i like so much is actually big trouble in little china oh, oh yeah. nice um, yeah. so, I, that's you know obviously one of the great all-time movies and one of my favorites and that was one of the first ones just it was just it was stuck in my stuck in my memory, you know, him stuck in that chair and kind of wheeling down the hallway, although he was untied at that point, but you know, like that, just that the whole, you know, uh, chair scene Mm -hmm. was, um, yeah, I've always thought I've always liked that one.
1: Nice. That's a good one.
2: I'd say James Bond, you know, do you expect me to talk Goldfinger? But mm. he's not on a chair. He's on a table on that on one. So that one, I think I think that's a big old DQ on that one.
1: No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to
0: die. I was trying to remember if he was ever tied to a chair in Misery. Uh, I feel like he had to have been when he was maybe. typing, but I can't remember if he was tied to the chair. Yeah. So, I was trying to think about it because that's another one. Like, talk about a tied down memory. Misery is one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then, Uh, for so much of it, he's not really tied down because she's hobbled his legs. So, I in. Uh,
1: Podrick would probably be upset if I didn't mention the uh, was it Lenny in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Ah, (laughs) yes. The scene they have him tied up at the gas station and he breaks the chair that he was tied Mm -hmm. to. Yeah.
0: Mm-mm. there's a good chair uh, breaking scene something I just watched of course I'm saying this now and it's escaping my little brain so I'm just going to shut up
2: I just got stuck in the highlight reel of Heidi Moneymaker's movies and I'm kind of down a rabbit hole at this point
1: <laughs> hey there you go We know what Pat's doing for the rest of the night. Yes. Yes.
2: What else are we forgetting? Tied to a chair. I mean.
1: Uh, Princess Bride. He gets the Prince Humperdinck, gets tied to the chair at the end.
0: Yep. Uh, Yes.
1: Which we did just rewatch that recently. So (laughs) that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different options. I think we yeah, we've listed I'm, some good ones.
2: I think so. I, uh Big Trouble in Little China is definitely my Yeah. It's definitely my answer.
1: That's a good one. That is a good
2: one. Avengers is definitely my second.
1: Yeah. I, well, that scene is hilarious. I mean, it's a great action scene, but it's also hilarious.
2: Uh, oh, it just it does so much and then, to And the cutaways character.
0: When they cut away to Clark Gregg and he's
2: just like yeah. <laughs> and I know I know that Colson is your guy, Bo. And so I'm gonna say this humbly because it's your you know, your job to support your guy, you know, the you know, your prerogative, I should say. But it is so cool. Like who is we have an F twenty two orbiting your location. Put the girl on the phone, <laughs> or we'll annihilate the, the entire city block or something. I mean, it's just, he, mean, just the way he just The way yeah. he played
0: that guy. Just, yeah unflappable, just I've seen everything. Nothing you can do will ever surprise me. Will
2: not faze me. Yeah. Ever. And, and it was so, he brought such a depth to that. I'm not going to insult it by saying bit part character, but co-star character. Totally. Oh yeah. in the first Avengers, he was
0: just there to be there. Like, yeah. yeah. The first couple, and, and, like, cause didn't he showed up in, um, Oh God, I'm bad. I should know this. Iron Man. Yeah. He was yeah. Yeah, Iron yeah. Man. yeah. That's right. He might've and, been in the first was... two Iron Men actually.
2: Oh yeah. He most certainly was because yeah. he left in the middle of Iron Man two to go deal with uh, the Thor situation. Yep. Um, but it was uh yeah. Like, and he, I don't want to say he acted small, but just unassuming. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark is such a, you know, captain of industry, big player on the scene. I'm not going to say they were equals, but he handled Tony Stark one way. But then when you see him in Thor and the way he's handling, like, you know, like the scientists and he handles them in another way, it, it really, it really just brought a great depth to the character. And he just, he the, that actor played it so well.
1: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. You can, if you want to share your answers of these, uh, favorite Tom Hardy role, what river would you travel down if you had a houseboat, and what's the most memorable movie scene where somebody's tied to a chair? You can share those with us either 30podcast.com and leave us a voicemail or a message at 30podcast on most of the different social media outlets that are out there. Uh, let us know. We'd love to hear your answers to these, and and comment on the movie, too. If you've got some thoughts about the movie, if, if we are right, wrong, or you're indifferent, you can let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We've got a few things coming up in the next uh, rest of this month. Uh, May is our Action Month. Our Patreon episodes were American Graffiti, Local Hero, and The Hunger. Uh, on our regular feed, it's In the Line of Fire, Demolition Man, Loaded Weapon, This week was Striking Distance. And last week, our last week of Action Month is The Three Musketeers, the Disney Three Musketeers uh, live-action movie. And then in June, we are getting literary. We're going from page to screen. Our Patreon episodes are Disney's Robin Hood from 73, a random 80s movie, and The Flash from 2023. The regular episodes that month will be Much Ado About Nothing, The Pelican Brief, Shortcuts, and The Firm. So we have got a lot of really good stuff coming up and hope you join us for those either on the Patreon feed or on the regular feed. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody, just go out and like shout it from the rooftops. Grab a boat. Grab a boat. Just go out onto the water. Take a megaphone with you and just tell people to come listen to our podcast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you do that, take a picture of it. I would love to see it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Boat selfie. Boat selfie. All right. Gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you,
0: John. Thank you, John.
1: All right. Everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.